0: But I want to talk to you today about the family of God and how God wants to increase the family. He's always in the business of increasing the family. Uh, First thing I want to say is, when God created the world, He had a family in mind. I am going to prove to you in Scripture. Remember, in the beginning, God created man and woman. Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Amen? Adam and Eve. Amen. So he created a man and a woman and he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Why did he say that? Because he wanted to create and generate a family on the earth that was his. Now the first thing of creation we notice about is there was a family. Adam and Eve they constituted a Family, a family unit, beginning, okay? And then we know, we we hear the story of how uh, 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 the earth was filled and and there was such great iniquity, and then God sent the flood. But he preserved a family, the family of Noah. And so when the the ark was emptied and, and the flood was gone, there was a family on the earth. God always had a family in mind always and then we know this story and then we come all the way to jesus and here jesus is about to begin his ministry how did jesus begin his ministry where was the first miracle performed come on somebody a wedding the wedding of cana cana of galilee jesus's first miracle was a a wedding so keep this in mind god begins with a family then there was a flood. He preserves a family. And then here comes on and, and the families are formed and there was families all around. And then here comes Jesus on the scene. He's going to start his ministry. And the first miracle was at a wedding. What is a wedding? Is the beginning of a family. It's a new family that is, that is arising uh, out of another family. So you get two people from different families, unite them together, and then you start a new family. So Jesus began began his ministry, began his miracles at a wedding as a constitution of a family. And then here we go. Time passed by. And then we go all the way to the book of Revelation, which speaks about the ending, the end times or the end of all things. And the, the very, in the very last chapters we talk about in the, it talks about in the Bible about the marriage supper of the Lamb and the Bridegroom, Jesus Christ, with the Church, the Bride. Can you picture something about this? This whole concept of family coming from the beginning to the end. It's family, family, family. And then the Bible says that we are a spiritual family. And and we call God our Father. So, and then Jesus is our older brother. This, I mean, this concept of family is all around the Bible. And, and, and the Lord values family. Do you understand that? That's why the, the greatest attack of the enemy in today's society is against the family. He wants to destroy family. I mean, even here in America, you see there's so much divorce, so much uh, fight against father and mother, rebellion. I mean, that this, in the 70s, there was a, a, a great movement of the hippies and, and a great movement of, of uh, um, rock and roll and all this stuff. And what was that all about? Rebellion. Against what? Family. Against parents. And it's interesting because in the Bible, it talks about uh, that in the last days, God, in the book of Malachi, said that He will restore the, the heart of the fathers to the children and heart of the children to the fathers god is speaking about family restoration it's it's in god's dna he wants to build a family hallelujah praise god so god is all about family and then even as joshua said as as for me and my house we shall serve the lord god wants your family serving the lord he wants to reach your family he wants to reach your children he wants to reach your grandchildren amen he wants to reach that uh, uh, there's a, a generational blessing coming into your family how many believe in for a blessing of God coming running all over your family amen praise the Lord and so the, the Lord gave a message today about the family of God and and how he has given us a responsibility about increasing that family on the earth how do you do that go to second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And when you get there, say amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. Look at how powerful this is. The family of God. That's the title of this message. Okay. It says, are you there? Say Amen. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation now then we are ambassadors for christ as though god were pleading through us we implore you on christ's behalf be reconciled to god you know what the apostle paul is saying he's saying that the lord has entrusted to us a ministry you may say but i'm not a pastor but you got a ministry you know what the ministry is the ministry of reconciliation of reconciling men back to god You and I have this responsibility. How can we do that? By preaching the gospel. Reconciling men back to God. And he said that we are ambassadors. And verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? What do you understand by an ambassador of the United States in Brazil? Ambassador of the United States in the Philippines. What does that mean? It's someone who represents that nation. For example, someone as an ambassador of the United States in the Philippines, they live by the government of the United States. Their salary does not come from the Philippines. Even though they live there, their salary comes from the U.S. The rules they live by, all the things they do, they represent America in the Philippines. Does that that make sense? So they live with the United States in mind in first place, and they live to represent this nation over there. Now, what the Apostle Paul said that we are ambassadors for Christ, that means we represent the rights of Christ and the things of Christ on this earth. We don't live by the things of the earth, we live by Christ. Our salary, our maintenance, our uh, 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 spiritual life, our family, everything has nothing to do with this world, but everything is connected to Christ our resources, everything is coming from Christ because we're his ambassadors, we're his representatives. So you got to understand and see yourself as someone who represents a greater kingdom. You're not just from the world, you're in the world, but you're not from the world. You are an alien living in the world. Amen. You are an alien. You're an an ET. Amen. If I can say that. (laughs) You're an alien in the world. I remember this Christ, this story in Brazil. There was this lady that was really, really old, and it was like in my hometown. She was really old, and she and her hair was like long, and and she was like an interesting character, I should say that way. But um, and then she was coming back home from a late service. Was, the service ended at 11 p.m., and she was walking home. And you know, in Brazil, there's a lot of uh, some cities. There some areas of the cities that robbery and stuff like that so she was coming back home by herself walking in the middle of the street and then this thief comes and lady give me your purse give me everything you have and then she 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 turns and she's like I'm not from this world so so the man the thief looks at her like oh my goodness and started running it's like he thought she was a ghost you know but out of the blue said she turned and said seriously I'm not from this world (laughs) <laughs> but what she said was true she was not from this world we got to have that conscience that we're not from here that we're pilgrims on the earth we're passing by on this world and, and then even as this lady said I don't know why she said that at the time she said, I'm not from this world and the guy thought she was a ghost or something and he ran away so she didn't get robbed that's what came on her mind <laughs> Was, I, I still remember, I, I remember this lady because I was a little kid. I would see her in church, and then she'd come to greet me. I was like, oh, she's like, really? She, and she held my hand. I was like, wow, she's different. But anyway, when she said, I'm not from this world, he ran. But that's the mindset that we got to have, that we came here as ambassadors, as someone who represent Christ, and I represent Christ. And so he said twice here, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation what does that ministry mean people in the world they're lost they are dying they're they're depressed they are uh, uh, uh without purpose without sense of belonging they don't know why they're here what they're here for what am i doing why do i wake up every morning what for is it just to make some money and then work my way through surviving or is there a greater purpose in my life is there a god does god love me who is he and and so God has given us a responsibility as a church to reconcile people back to God and many of them they are at the stake where they are ready they're more ready than you think they are the problem that the enemy has blinded us many times with lies no people are never gonna hear you They don't want to hear the gospel, they don't want to hear about Jesus, they don't want to hear about the cross, they don't want to hear about anything of the kingdom of God, they don't want to hear it. They don't like the things of God. The thing is, many people have gotten a religious view of the kingdom of God, and that has given them a bad taste, a bad taste. But it's time for us to say, hey listen. I want to show you, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to show you. I've tasted Him. I know He is good. He's merciful. He's good. He's loving. He's kind. He's wonderful. He's powerful. And I want to show you that He is all that He said He is. The 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 topic or not I should not say the topic, but the 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 subject of evangelism has been born in my heart. That we, we must, even for example, this past two weeks we did the evangelism during the conference we got a phone number of a guy that he almost came to the church today but he was working and and i i as i spoke to him on the phone i could see that he's he's needy he's in need of god and said i want to make a church church i want to come to your church i want to visit you know and i said we're going to pray for you he's all the way from africa and he's living here in richmond and so we must do something about this, because when we reach out, we shall be blessed in return. Don't live life for yourself only. If you live life for yourself only, you're wasting. It's a waste to live for yourself. Stop navel-gazing. <laughs> you're like, looking at yourself only. And then you look at yourself, and then you're like, me, myself, and I, that's the Trinity. No, listen. <laughs> It's not me myself and i it's the father the son and the holy ghost stop looking yourself and i want to read a, I, i'm reading a book i was reading this book it's i've read before but it's like always good to read it again this, this book is called soul winning by tl osborne how many have heard of tl osborne before <laughs> only p okay tl osborne was a preacher uh he Passed away in 2014, but he, he was lived to be 90 years old, and he went to more than 100 nations, like preach the gospel. And he did his heart was to reach after the lost, to go places where no one wanted to go, to go to tribes and, and, and countries where they, they didn't even know what the gospel was, they didn't even know what Jesus was, and he would like do crusades and stuff. And and there was an interesting thing that I want to read to you. Um about uh about how the how the early church how the early church operated because we got to come back to the book of acts and see how did the church operate how did it do it look at this how would you like to visit the early church would their lifestyle of so winning interest you how do you think they function as a church who are the preachers How many were witnesses? Which denomination was the largest or the most popular? I mean, back then there was no denomination in the first place. But anyway, it's just for the sake of illustrating to us. What is our personal concept of church in the New Testament times? Could we follow its example or have times changed too much? Let's take a journey into our minds and make a visit to the church at Ephesus. You know, Ephesus is where Turkey is nowadays. Let's imagine a conversation we might have, okay? Good evening, Priscilla. That's Priscilla from the Bible, Priscilla and Aquila. We understand that you and your husband, Aquila are members of the church here. Could we come in, come in and visit for a while? Certainly. Come in, Aquila and Motions. If you don't mind, we would like to, for you to tell us about the soul winning programs of the churches here in Asia Minor. We read that you have been members of the church at Corinth and Rome as well as here in Ephesus. You must be qualified to tell us about evangelism in the New Testament church. If you don't mind, we'd like to visit your church while we're here. Sit down, invites Priscilla. You're already in the church. It meets here in our home. (laughs) See how different the concept is already? The church, back then, they met at homes. Where's your sanctuary? Where's your church building? What's a church building? Akla queries. No, I guess we don't have one. (laughs) Tell us, what are the believers doing to reach the city of Ephesus with the gospel? We've already evangelized Ephesus. Every person in the city has received a gospel witness. What? Yes, is that unusual? How did you do it? You don't have radio? You don't have television? Or electronic communication? Did you organize big public meetings? No, as you may have heard, we tried public meetings in this area, but many Christians were arrested and thrown in jail because of their witness that Christ has risen from the dead. Then how have you reached the city? Akula answered, we've just gone to people, wherever they are, at work, in their private homes, and have given Christ's message to them. That's the way the believers evangelized Jerusalem. And then he, he puts a scripture here, Acts 5.42. They did it in a very short time, and the other churches in Asia Minor have followed their example. Does that idea work everywhere? So the first thing I I want you to picture this is that this is just an illustration that Theo Osborne did. Of course, it's not real because Akla lived in the first century and and Priscilla. But it's just like someone from here coming today to their church and say, Hey, what's your program? Can I come to a church? Do you have a church building? And he's like, church building, what is that? (laughs) That was interesting. We meet at our home and he said have you um have you tried to evangelize no the whole city already heard the gospel how we just went where they are and the whole concept of this conversation is to let us know that sinners are mostly not in the church they're out there and then the whole struggle is that sometimes and i'm not saying it's wrong to invite sinners to come to church which is good i think we should invite them for sure But the whole point is not just to invite them to come to our sanctuaries. The whole point is to take the gospel to them where they are. Many people are not going to read their Bibles. Many people are not going to have an experience with Jesus himself. But listen to me. You are the one who carries Jesus in yourself. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we carry him that we are ambassadors for Christ. So the only Jesus they will see is the Jesus in you. What Jesus are you showing them? What Jesus can they see in your life that makes them trigger and say, okay, I got to know more about this. I got to know more about Christ. I got to know more about this Savior. I got to know more about this way of salvation because I see, I see uh, Cody. I see Pete. I see that they got something. I see Linda. I, I see Anso. I see something. They have something that I'm hungry for. They have something in their lives that I'm craving for. There's some kind of peace. There's some kind of joy. There's some kind of uh, uh, of love or feeling that I feel when I'm around them. And I must know more about it. Hallelujah. Uh, How many heard about Charles Finney? Revivalist. Charles Finney was a man that uh, he was known for the presence of God. And he, he carried a spirit of conviction with himself. And and I've heard of stories where Charles Finney was walking in New York back in the, uh, uh, I think it's 18th century, where Charles Finney would come, and he was visiting a factory, and all the workers, they began to be bothered by his presence, and they began to cry in the factory as they were working. And they were convicted of their sins, and they were repenting of their sins, just for the fact that he went to visit. Hallelujah! Just because he went to pay a visit to the factory, people begin to cry and weep under the presence of God. Not because he spoke anything, but because he was there. Why is that? Because you carry the presence of God everywhere you go. It's in you already and he wants to let it out. He wants you to let it out, to go flow from you. We need more people who are presence carriers. Who carry the presence, who carry the peace, who carry the joy, who carry the love and people will sense it naturally and then and then and, and the and then charles finney when and and when he saw all these workers crying then he spoke the gospel they were ready to receive i mean they didn't to, oh you know let me debate with you you know let me debate i mean the bible I have nothing against like understanding intellectually it's good to know things about how can you debate about evolution and all this stuff it's good to know that apologetics is awesome, and, and I like it. But listen, the Bible didn't tell us, go into all the world and debate the gospel. <laughs> no, it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, and signs these signs will follow them that believe. In other words, you're going to have evidence. You're going to have a showing of the gospel by what Christ represents to you and who Christ is to you. Not just that you debate and you know intellectually. Because listen, I've been I've been on debates in, in, in the past when, when I was in college. I remember I was in Miami, I was in co- Miami Dade College, and I remember I met these atheist guys and they're like, come here, come here. I was like 20 years old, and he said, Come here, come here. And, you know, are you are, are you a Christian? I said, yes I am. And then they began to debate me and say, you know, God, if God existed, this wouldn't happen, blah 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 blah. And I began to debate with them, I began to engage them, and one of them got so mad. He got so mad, he said, when you're 30 years old, you're going to deny Christ. And you're going to be in the bar drinking, divorced. And this, he started like cursing me. I was like, hey, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, I, I told him, you know. But I was debating him. And I, and I came to understand, listen, you may even win a debate. But it's not about winning a debate, it's about winning a person. What is the advantage of winning a debate and losing the person? Oh, I won the debate, that's great. But the person that was not reached. You're not in this for a debate, you're this to show who Christ is. You should know for yourself because a lot of things I debated a lot in the past. I uh, remember I would be in college, and then the teacher would say mean stuff about Jesus. I said, hey, don't say that. Please respect the classroom, you know? And then you're like, Oh, who are you? You know, and I'm a Christian, so you, should, you shouldn't you should be saying that here. And they will try to impose their point of view say, hey, I disagree with that because of this, because of that. And and so many times I, I got into trouble because <laughs> I would stand up for the faith. And then even other Christians are like, oh, are you, are you crazy? But no, listen, I, I want to speak the truth here. I mean, people should respect, they should respect the gospel in the classroom. But I've come as I matured, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I was wrong that I stood for the faith. It was it was right. But what I'm saying is I've come to realize that just debating it's not doesn't solve the problem. Because people don't need another debate, because they debate about politics, they debate about, about issues of society, they debate about everything. So just another debate will make no difference. It is not the debate that makes a difference. It's the presence of God. And how do I increase the family? Jesus has has had a dream when He was on the cross. Getting men and women from every tribe, race, nation, tongue, culture, coming to the Father and increasing His family. And our purpose on the earth to increase this family every person who comes to jesus christ they become a part of a family they become part of the family of god let me look at us look at our group look at our church we got a different blend of people here from different backgrounds different nations different languages we're multicultural already and that's the beauty of the gospel Because the Gospel makes every culture and every race and every tongue come together as one. And there's no superior nor inferior. We're all one in Jesus Christ. We're all washed by the blood of the Lamb. We're all one. We're all equal before the Father. And there's no difference when He sees us. He sees us through the blood of Jesus Christ and He sees us as one. That's the beauty of the Gospel. I mean, how many can testify to that? That's why I love, I love multicultural. I love that because it looks like heaven. You know, it looks like heaven. Heaven, you won't be like, oh, this group here in heaven and then that group over there. No, it's all together. It's all one. We're all worshiping God all together. There's no difference. Amen. We're all under the banner of love. We're all under the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty of the gospel. And so when we speak about family, we have seen that from the beginning God thought about family. In the, in the Old Testament, in the Old Hebrew language, every letter had a symbol. Okay? Uh, uh, it, was, it was pictographic. Every letter had a symbol. It's not like, for example, a b or c but every letter had a symbol Um, and one of the symbols of the first letter of the bible was a tent it was a tent which symbolizes a house back then so everywhere throughout the bible god says family adam and eve Noah and his family were preserved, Jesus in the Can of Galilee, the book of Revelation, the wedding, the marriage, supper of the Lamb, family all around. And then, and, then, and then Paul said, you and I have a ministry to reconcile people back to God. What are we doing with the responsibility? And I don't say that to place guilt on anyone because it, actually by guilt you cannot accomplish anything. Some preachers like make me, oh, you know, you're doing this wrong and you should do this because if you don't do this, I mean, that will happen. You know, listen, through guilt, I mean, people not move, but through love, they will move easily. Motivate people by love, not guilt. Motivate people by the blessing, not the fear. Oh, I know you, you better do that. Do it. That's why I always say, you do things by love. I mean, nobody has to convince me to be a giver. Nobody has to convince me to praise God. Nobody has to convince me to, do, to come to church or to do this or to do that. I, I do it because I love Him. And I've learned to, lo- to do things out of love, not, not out of guilt. Religion will always, how can I say, manipulate you to do things out of fear. The Gospel works through the love of Christ, and and the love of Christ compels us. That's what the Apostle Paul said. So when I speak about the love of Christ and people do things by love, listen, I don't have to tell anybody to worship God. They already know what they're supposed to do. I don't have to tell anybody, you know, you should do this or whatever, because by love, of course, you instruct people. But what I'm saying is, it's the love of God that will produce the results and the fruit. I've shared this testimony here before, but I wanna I wanna share it again in case someone did not hear. I was in, in Brazil in this in this in this favela, Islam. We're going again in December. And we took lots of food to the poor. I had these two heavy food baskets that, that we purchased in, in Brazil. We purchased the food down there because, of course, we don't take the food from here to Brazil. That would be, like, crazy expensive to, to take the food from here because a bunch of food. So we, we purchased down there. So we purchased the food, and I had these heavy food baskets, and I was coming, I was coming in this poor area. I mean, talk about poverty, extremely poor. And then this lady coming by and I say, and I, and I tell her, do you want this food, ma'am? Do you want food? Do you need food? And she said, yes. So I gave her the two food basket that I, I, I got in my hands. And then she gets the food basket and she starts crying, weeping. And I'm like, I like food, but I wouldn't weep over food. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if someone gave you food, like, I wouldn't be weeping over food. But she started weeping. Like she couldn't even like, talk. And I said, what happened? Why are you crying so much? You know what she said? I'm a single mother. I have kids back home. And I had nothing to eat. We had nothing to eat. Nothing. All our money was gone. All the food that I have was gone. I didn't know what to do. I'm unemployed. I have nowhere to get the money from. And this morning, before I left my house, I said, God, if you are real, if you exist, and if you care, do something about my situation today. She was not a Christian, by the way. But when you're in trouble, you cry out to whom you know that can solve the problem. God, if you're real, you exist and you care, do something about this today. The moment she said that prayer, we even with not being a Christian, she prayed, and she opened the door. I was next to her house. Ma'am, do you want food? I mean, what are the odds that I'll be all the way from America, seriously, coming to that extreme poor place, that I didn't even know how to get there by myself. The driver had to take me there, take us there, the whole team, because I didn't even know. I mean, I had no clue how to walk around that neighborhood, because if they left me in the neighborhood, I'd be lost. I'd be like asking for information, because I didn't know how to get out of there. It was not real Rio, Rio de Janeiro. And then, <laughs> and then she's like, you came and, and you said, do you want food? I mean, it looks like you're an angel seriously because you came to answer the prayer you are the answer to my prayer when she said that that struck me you can be someone's answer you can be the answer to someone's prayer someone is praying about something and then you are the answer what did jesus say you are the light of the world you are the salt of the earth you are why because christ in you the hope of glory Christ in you the whole so the lady said you are the answer to my prayer you gave me two heavy food best that last an entire month and then I said ma'am by the way I'm a Christian I didn't even say I was a pastor but I'm a Christian that was Jesus and he loves you and start weeping even more said do you want to receive him today in your heart that he will live with you not just for today but for your entire life and you surrender your life to him completely I mean I didn't have to preach a whole sermon to her she was ready she's like yes how do I do that do I have to go to church said no right now you just pray with me right here taking the gospel where they are and I and I I prayed with her and she started weeping I said hey go to look for a church that believes in God that believes in Jesus teach the Bible stick with that and I'm telling you Jesus loves you so much and and he sent me here today and this was just one example of so many that I that that I've seen where God where I was the answer to people's prayer not because I'm I'm an angel no as a matter of fact let me tell you something the the secret before we, we we go how many are hungry amen you're hungry okay give me give me five minutes how many give me five minutes Okay, five, 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 that's 20, okay? <laughs> that's 20 minutes right there. But uh, hallelujah, where was I? Hallelujah. You're hungry, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit hungry, but it's okay. I'm, I can handle that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that I was the answer to people's prayer so many times. They've prayed, and, they, and not because I'm an angel, no, nor, nor are you an angel. But the secret is this, God has entrusted this message with us, not angels. Some people think, oh the angel will go and preach the gospel, that's not going to happen, he's going to use human beings. When God wanted to reach men, he sent Jesus and the Bible says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He needed to come in as flesh. Why? Because he's invisible, invisible God, he needed to come as flesh so that people could say, oh, you know, I can touch him. He's real. <laughs> he's, 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 I can hear him. I can sense him. He's flesh and blood. And then Jesus ascended to heaven. Now, now the secret is this. The Holy Spirit was with Jesus and upon Jesus. But when Jesus ascended, what did he say? I'm going to send you. The Comforter, He'll be in you forever, and He'll also be upon you. The Holy Spirit is in you for yourself, but He's upon you for others. I'm going to say that again, because that was good. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is in you for you. He's in you to guide you to speak to you, to teach you all things, to remember what Jesus said, but he's upon you for others. He's upon you so you can help others. And then the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus. Jesus went up and he said, uh, don't worry guys, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to send you my spirit. And now when Jesus was on the earth as, as a man, he was, he had a little bit of limitation as far as where he could go because he had one body only. Does that, does that make sense? It doesn't diminish him as God because he was God. But what I'm saying is, as long as he was on the earth, he had one body only. Of course, he could appear at some other place. He had that capability. But, but he was a man. Okay? As much as he was God, he was a man. Fully God, fully man. But when he left and he ascended... He sent the Spirit into every believer. Now, the Spirit of God was not just upon Jesus, but upon every disciple. Now that Spirit is here in Richmond. That Spirit is in Brazil. That Spirit is, uh, hallelujah, in, in, in Chesterfield. That Spirit in the South Side. That Spirit is, is all over. There's a believer. The Holy Spirit is there in them and upon them for such a time as this. So he, by the Holy Spirit, the work was multiplied and the presence of God was multiplied. And God wants a man and a woman to manifest himself through. When God wanted to reach man, he sent Jesus. Jesus was made flesh. Now the Spirit of God came upon you. We are made of flesh. And many times believers are praying to God for him to do things that he told us to do. Oh God, visit the orphans in their need. No, you visit the orphans. Oh God, help the poor. No, you help the poor. And He will help you to help the poor. He will enable you to help the poor. Oh God, when are you going to do something about this? And God says, when are you going to do something about this? I gave you my name. I gave you my authority. I gave you my power. I gave you my presence. You go! Do you understand that? Many times people begin to pray to God telling him to do things he told us to do. God when are you are going to do something about that situation and God is saying no, no when are you going to do something about that situation because I gave you my power my authority. Hallelujah. The moment you step out, he will back you up. He'll back you up. I guarantee you that. God wants people to step out in faith what are you doing to be a blessing to someone this week think about this what are you doing to be a blessing to someone when i say blessing you, you, you don't think about only like how can you help them materially or financially no think about all kinds of ways that you can be a blessing sometimes listen you can cook someone a meal i mean how many know how to cook really well here my wife knows how to cook really good uh cody yeah he's a i've eaten his steak he cooks really well but what i'm saying is if you do an act of of goodness to someone it's minor thing sometimes they'll appreciate more than you than you think and that's sometimes it's an open door for people to hear what you have to say don't try to shove the gospel into people's throat and just like Oh, listen to this i'm gonna put the bible here i'm gonna you know what i mean like i'm gonna get my big bible that is uh, big enough to choke a donkey and i'm gonna you know and i'm gonna you know hit you with the bible and then you're gonna swallow this right now in jesus name no listen i'm telling the truth some christians are like that come on like have no relationship with the person never seen the person before like hey listen to me right now bro you know i'm gonna cast the devil out of you right now with the bible You know, one time I I like to tell some funny stories. I was in Brazil and there was one lady that was in the streets and she was demon-possessed. And this lady was like rolling around, it was like crazy. So this pastor gets the big Bible and he goes like this, in Jesus' name, on her head, you know, come out. And my dad was like, no, don't do that. It's a lady. Let's catch the devil. But listen, remember, there's a lady there. Don't do this. He got this big, I mean, my Bible was small compared to his, seriously. Like, it was like a huge Bible, and he goes like, In the name of Jesus, come out." <laughs> Why? Because, I mean, some, sometimes people need to learn how to deal with people, you know? So, <laughs> what I'm saying is, there is a way that we can reach people being, being normal be supernatural but be, but be normal. People don't need that those weird things like seriously, they don't. And they're not going to understand it and you're going to scare them away rather than bring them in. I'm all about the power of God, the supernatural. I love miracles, I love but there's a way that we can be normal with people. No, when I tell people to go to the streets, I say, "Hey, listen, just pray for people normally. Just you don't you don't need to do any like weird stuff like over there. Like, I'm not going to be like to Walmart and be like, I want to pray for you. <laughs> no, listen, I'm pray normally. Amen. God bless you in Jesus' name. Touch. You know, and if they feel something, it's them feeling. You're not manufacturing anything. So what I'm saying is this week, even this week, there's someone at your workplace or there's someone in your family you can call and say, hey, how are you doing? Don't just call people when you need something from them. Hey, how are you? No, what is it that you want? No, I don't want anything. I just want to know how you are doing. People be surprised. Are you doing good? Is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything I can do to be a blessing to you? And then God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? Bringing people back to himself and saying, I'm adding people to the family. When we go to heaven, there will be a family reunion. A family reunion from all generations in the past to this generation. We're getting together as a family from all tribes, all races, all cultures, all languages, all skin colors. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All peoples of all generations, all countries, all nations are going to sing to the Lamb as one, only one. One generation coming together that's the beautiful family of God and that's what we're all about expanding this family into Richmond expanding this family into the nations of the world as we have been doing expanding the family of God God has entrusted to me and you the ministry of reconciliation I'm almost done and I promise now that's for for you say I have a ministry say like you mean it I have a ministry the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciling men back to God. Say, I have a ministry. God has entrusted me with a ministry. The ministry of reconciliation.